Reasonable Faith, Lesson 1, The Nature of Sin, presented by Pastor James McIntyre. That's Pastor McIntyre, and we appreciate you coming by and letting us reason together for just a few minutes uh, concerning some very important Bible truths. And we're going to be covering a number of truths over the course of these six videos. In this first video, uh, we want to spend some time thinking about the nature of sin. And uh, you think about the nature of sin, particularly the definition of sin, a lot of people might uh, think to themselves or be saying to themselves, well, why would we need to spend much time talking about that? You know, everybody knows what sin is, and there's probably a sense in which that is true, but undoubtedly, if you went out and took a poll, you'd probably find that you'd get a pretty wide range of ideas as it relates to sin. And I think oftentimes it's a misunderstood topic. Uh, you hear what people say, listen to what people say, uh, you look, uh, you follow social media, and you realize that a lot of times people are not really aware of what the Bible has to say about sin. And so that's why, that's why it's important for all of us that we uh, actually spend some time in the Word of God and we uh, think about what the Bible has to say about sin. Obviously, it's a topic that the Bible uh, does not remain silent about. Uh, the Bible has a lot to say about sin, and we're just going to kind of be able to touch the top of the iceberg. But I think there are some uh, kind of critical key verses that give us some very foundational understanding as it relates to sin. And so we're going to spend, uh, spend some time talking about that in this first video, again, talking about the nature of sin. And the first thing that we want to look at is sin defined. What is sin? I mean, this is really where it all starts. Again, people can have a lot of different ideas about what sin is, but ultimately this is where it starts. And we're fortunate in the fact that we have a verse that nails that down for us. And it's a verse that's very clear and unmistakable. And it's found in the book of 1 John, and it's in the third chapter in the fourth verse. The Bible says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. So in the first part of the verse, we're told that if you commit sin, you're also transgressing the law. And in the last part of the verse, we're told the reason that that's true. And in this phrase, we're given the definition the Bible says, for sin is the transgression of the law. So that clearly and succinctly nails down the definition of sin. Sin is the transgression of the law. The word transgression is a word that simply means a violation. And so probably the easiest way to illustrate that is to uh, think about it in the context of uh, traffic laws and uh, say uh, uh, speed limit laws and uh, the posted speed limit is 75 miles an hour, and you're driving 85 miles an hour where you are exceeding the boundaries of the law. You're exceeding the prohibition that's set on speed. And then technically, if you're going 76 miles an hour, you're violating uh, the speed law. And that makes you a transgressor. If you're driving 85 and a 75, you are a transgressor of the law. So that's, that's what it means when it talks about sin is the transgression of the law. Well, sin is basically a violation of the law. And, um, 
I think uh, it's a legitimate question and one that should probably be addressed even at this point because if sin is a transgression of law, okay, what law or whose law? And um, there could probably be a lot said about this as well, but just to kind of simplify it and put it in a context that we all probably have at least some some familiarity with, well, think about it in the context of the Ten Commandments. Those basically summarize the law of God. And so when the Bible says sin is a transgression of the law, sin is basically a transgression, if you will, of the Ten Commandments. So let me give them to you. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. Let's spend a couple, uh, just just spend a little time thinking about just a few of these, just to make sure we uh, we can illustrate this properly. For example, the first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Well, I don't know if we violated that commandment, is just to ask ourselves, have we always, in everything, put God first? And if we haven't, on the occasions where we haven't, that means that something else has usurped the authority and the rightful place of God in our life. And on the occasions where that occurred, we have violated the first commandment, we're transgressors, we're sinners. Take the third commandment, for example, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Uh, the word vain is just a word that means useless or empty. And so really, if you take the name of God or any of the titles that he's known by and you use them in any other way than a reverent manner, you've taken his name in vain. But a more egregious offense is when you take the name of God and you attach a curse word to it. Well, that is certainly taking the name of God in vain, and that is a violation of the third commandment. That makes you a transgressor of the law. It makes you a sinner. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the fifth commandment. Who among us can honestly look back and say, I always, in every situation, honored my father and mother. And I don't think anybody can honestly say that they did every time, all the time. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Immorality is rampant in our nation. Many people have committed adultery. Uh, it's important to recognize, too, that Jesus said... It has been said unto you of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looks on a woman to lust death her hath committed adultery already in his heart. So the reality is, is that if we've ever had an impure thought, if we've ever had a lustful thought, in our heart we have violated this commandment. Thou shalt not steal. Is there anybody that has never taken anything that didn't belong to them? Thou shalt not bear false witness or tell a lie. Is there anybody that can say, I've never told a lie? I've always been honest, and I've always been uh, true, and I've never spoken an untruth, knowingly spoken an untruth. I don't think anybody can. So you get a sense here, you look at these Ten Commandments, and it's, it begins to realize that, you know, we've, we, we're all violators. We've all, we're all transgressors. We're all sinners. 
And um, you throw James chapter 2 and verse 10 into that mix. And so there where the Bible says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. So, I mean, this kind of sets to rest or puts to rest the whole idea of, well, yeah, I've done this, but I've never done that. Or I've done this thing. I've committed this sin, but I've not committed this sin. You know, the sins other people are committing are always a lot worse than the ones we're committing. But the Bible tells us that if you keep the whole law and you only offend in one point, you're guilty of all because it is a violation of the law. It is a transgression of the law. And in that sense, no matter which one you break, you're a transgressor of the law. And so it's important to recognize that sin is the violation of God's law. It's the breaking of God's law. It's the breaking of the Ten Commandments. The next thing we want to think about for a little bit is sin inherited. And you really have to go all the way back to Genesis, the second chapter of the Bible, verses 15 through 17. It's there where the Bible says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And so here we have the account where God placed the first man in a garden. He put him there, the Bible says, to dress and to keep it, so to work it, to maintain it, to cultivate it. And then the Bible says, and the Lord God commanded the man. So God created the man, and this man he created, he gave him a command. And it's interesting to me that the command is communicated by first reminding the man of all the liberty that he had. Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. So he could eat of any tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. So God put a prohibition in place. So basically, you can eat of any tree except this tree, and you can't eat of this tree. And in the day that you do, you'll surely die. So God created a man. He gave him a commandment. We just talked about the Ten Commandments. Well, Adam in the garden had one command, and God told him that if he violated the command, what the consequences would be. And I think most of us know the how that story ended up. Just a chapter later, in chapter 3, uh, the Bible says that the woman that God had created for Adam that she saw the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. So they, they ate of the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil. They violated the prohibition. They broke the commandment. They transgressed the law that made them sinners. And that's that's an important thing to keep in mind because when we get over to the New Testament in the book of Romans, chapter 5 and verse 12, those events that unfolded there on the first pages of Scripture uh, come, to bear, uh, come to bear in respect to all of humanity because the Bible says there, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. So I think it's reasonable to conclude when the Bible says as by one man sin entered into the world and we think back to the account in Genesis and God created a man and uh, that man was given a command and he violated that command, violated that prohibition, became a transgressor, became a sinner. Adam introduced sin into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men. So because we are all the descendants of Adam, he is the father of us all. 
we have inherited that sin from him. We have inherited the nature to sin. Romans chapter 5 verse 19 puts it this way, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Well, again, I think it's reasonable to understand that the one man who disobeyed was Adam, and it's by one man's disobedience that we're all made sinners because we were all in the loins of Adam when he committed that transgression. And we have all inherited the nature to sin from Adam. Just as we inherit physical characteristics from our father, we inherit personality characteristics from our father. We also inherit spiritual characteristics from our father. And the predominant characteristic that we inherit is the inclination towards sin, that it's our very nature to sin and to violate God's commands and to be a transgressor. And in fact, Uh, The psalmist in Psalm 51 and verse 5 said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, the psalmist is not saying that his mother was engaged in an act of sin when he was conceived. What he's saying is, is that I have been a sinner since my conception. And the reason is because the nature to sin was is present at conception just like so many other of our characteristics are predetermined at the moment of conception part of what's uh, predetermined is our nature our spiritual nature and that spiritual nature is at odds with god and uh, it is inclined to and has the propensity towards sin and to move away from god and um, it's important to recognize that. And really, when we think about it, we all know that. Our children are born. The Bible says they come forth as soon as they're born speaking lies. And we don't have to teach our kids to lie. We don't have to teach them to steal. They'll do all those things naturally. They, they will just naturally do those kinds of things unless we uh, teach them to do otherwise. So We have the first man that sinned, and basically he passed on a corrupted nature to all of his descendants. That includes you and me. Every child is conceived in sin. They're conceived with a nature to sin, and sin comes naturally to them. The last thing we want to consider is sin abhorred. One of the most helpful verses related to this, I think, is again in the Old Testament, Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 13. First part of that verse says, Thou, speaking of God, art of pure eyes than to behold evil and canst not look on iniquity. So God, being who he is, the holy God of heaven, the Bible says he's of pure eyes than to behold evil. He says he can't even look on iniquity. Well, we're all guilty of iniquity. We're all transgressors. We're all violated God's law. We've broken the Ten Commandments. And the Bible is saying the God of heaven can't look upon that, that he's of pure eyes than to behold it. You know, God is infinitely holy, clean and pure. The Bible says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And God is so pure and God is so holy and separated from sin that he can't bear to look upon it and uh, he can't bear to behold it. And in fact, there's some other unpleasant truths, and um, I know that we live in a religious world that always wants to feed people positive truths, and uh, if you only feed people positive truths without the unpleasant truths, then you end up with error because it's not the whole counsel of God's Word. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you today and uh, give you some things to think about that aren't very pleasant, and uh 
It has to do with God's view of sin. Psalm chapter 5, verse 4 and 5, the Bible says, For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. So these two verses give us a pretty good synopsis of God's view and his attitude towards sin and wickedness. It says he's not a God that has pleasure in wickedness. We might take pleasure in it. God never does. He says, neither shall evil dwell with thee. Well, we've got a big problem then because we are evil. We're transgressors. We've violated God's law. And the Bible says evil doesn't dwell with God. And then the end of verse 5, which is the most striking and maybe even shocking revelation, is that says of God, thou hatest all workers of iniquity. That's very strong language. And yet that's exactly the language that God uses in his word. And I think it's meant to impress upon our hearts how seriously God takes his sin matter and that he hates it and that he abhors it and he hates all workers of iniquity. Psalm 7 verse 11, the Bible says, God judgeth the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. Well, a wicked man, a wicked man is a man who violates God's law, who's a transgressor, a sinner. He's wicked and God is angry with the wicked every day. You know, you look at these verses, and I don't see how anybody could reasonably look at these verses, reasonably know that we've broken the Ten Commandments, and not be sobered up by these things. That we've got a big problem. We've got a serious problem because of our violation of God's law, because we're transgressors, because we're sinners, and God is angry with the wicked every day. He hates the workers of iniquity. Psalm 11, verse 5, the Bible says, The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked in him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. So again, it says the soul of God hates the wicked. And um, these are compelling verses, of which I've just given you a few here. But I've given them to you so you can contemplate. You know, we talk about sin today, and it's just like, well, you know, it's not that big a deal. You know, yeah, I'm guilty, but you're guilty. You can't pass judgment on me. We don't pass judgment on each other. You know, sin is, you know, yeah, it's bad, but, you know, but no, no. Sin is a transgression of God's law, and God's view of it is very, very strong. He he detests it. And uh, it's important that we understand how God sees sin and sees the sinner. And it ought to sober us up. It ought to, it ought to cause us to think, man, okay, well, this is true. If I'm a transgressor, I've broken Ten Commandments. I've broken some of them, if not all of them. That makes me a transgressor. makes me a sinner. And God's angry with the wicked every day. He hates all the workers of iniquity. He, he, his soul hateth him that is wicked. Man, I'm in big trouble. I'm in serious trouble. What am I supposed to do? Well, yeah, that's the whole point. People need to recognize that there's a big problem between man and God. And um, next lesson, we're going to consider the presence of sin. And we're going to discover in that next video that sin is a universal problem, that it's a miserable condition, and it results in a present condemnation. And as you anticipate going to the next video, I would just leave you with these few questions to help you uh, meditate upon the things we've shared in this first video. First question is, does God smile upon or excuse sin? Not does your friends, your neighbors, your parents, your, your children, but does God excuse sin? Does God take pleasure in wickedness?
does evil dwell with God? And how often is God angry with the wicked? I would remind you, the Bible says he's angry with the wicked every day. And the last question, and I do beseech you to take it seriously, should we take sin seriously? So I appreciate you listening to this video. Looking forward to visiting with you in the next one. And this is Pastor McIntyre. Thank you very much. This podcast was presented by Pastor James McIntyre, edited by Caleb McIntyre, and formatted for podcast by Jonathan McIntyre. A Reasonable Faith is an independent production of Faith Baptist Church in Freeport, Texas. For more information, visit www.areasonablefaith.org.